Hey, uh, well, my wish came true. We're doing some Star Wars talk in 2022 on the Thodcast, Conversations About Animation. I'm your host, Philip Elke, and I'm joined by some very special individuals today. Uh, my sister returning from her Moon Knight episode appears oh, earlier gosh. in 2022. Samara. Hey, Samara. Hi. I forgot that we did that. Oh. <laughs> that was the last one. Wow. Yes. And uh, the uh, other half, Elliot. Hey, how's it going? Howdy, howdy. <laughs> so some experts on all things media and pop culture. You guys work in the entertainment industry in California. You're up visiting uh, us here in northern Minnesota, and uh, it's great to have a family union, but uh, mm-hmm. also great to be fulfilling this promise. I teased on an early episode of doing some Star Wars chat on the podcast, so uh, we'll specifically probably you know talk mostly about Andor. Everyone's all the rage about Andor and the dystopian, yeah, sci-fi uh, retro future aesthetic of that show, and so good. yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so many great vibes. Um, but yeah, we're thrilled to be together here, and we'll just kind of wrap about some Andor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Starting, you know, Smar, great to have you back yes. again. Um, so excited. I don't know how well I'll be able to contribute because I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, but my husband, Elliot, mm-hmm. is a big Star Wars fan, and he will be able to maybe talk a little more about all the Star <laughs> Wars-y fun facts. But I just loved Andor so much. I think it's my favorite Star Wars show that's come out on uh, Disney+. Plus. I mean, Mandalorian was fun. It was all the rage. And then all the other shows kind of went downhill from there. Rough. But then Andor just brought it all, all of it back. The love, the joy for Star Wars. It was a breath of fresh air. Even though I particularly did not like Rogue One. Oh. I wasn't a big fan. Really? I think I thought it was too dark and depressing. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, like Star Wars should just be a fun but still somewhat serious but like a fun kind of goofy sci-fi nostalgic series so then when i saw rogue one i was like oh this is just like dark and (laughs) sad and scary but then i don't know andor was just like the perfect mixture of sci-fi in star wars and for someone like me who's not like the biggest star wars fan I was really able to get into it, mm-hmm. and I really love that yeah. about it. Yeah, I've been telling all my friends, like, Andor, you can watch it even if you're not a Star Wars fan. Like, there's so many mm-hmm. cool lore tie-ins throughout the whole thing, but if you just watch it for just it being a story, like, you'll come away pretty satisfied, I think. Yeah, yeah. Just the way it looks and all the new characters, it's not like there's a lot of throwbacks to other characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, was everyone pretty much new except for, like, like as far as Rogue One and Andor goes, who, who were the same, like, reoccurring characters? Because I, well, I think it was just Andor, right? <laughs> no, well, you had Andor, you had a brief cameo of uh, the security robot, which K2SO comes from. Wait, when did we see him? Uh, remember. When Remember when he goes to the beach and he gets arrested oh. and he gets, like... 
Oh, but that's up. not the same. It's not the same it's robot, just a type but it was a robot. fun cameo yeah, because yeah, eventually yeah. we know right. that, that he gets one like that yeah. called K2SO. Um, yeah. And then Saw Gerrera, of course. Um, long cam or long time from him. He's in the Clone Wars. He's in Rebels. He's in, was he in of Rogue course, one? Rogue One. Yeah. Wait, which one? Who was that? Saw Gerrera. Uh, oh, who was he? Uh, <laughs> he was Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. Uh, you remember in Rogue One, he is oh. the. <gasps> Oh yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And he has the yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you. I remember yep, yep. now. You were like, oh, this guy was in Rogue One. I yeah. Was like, oh, they even brought back two tubes, which was the alien with the two tubes, and <laughs> that made me up. really happy. <laughs> I didn't know that was his nickname. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I've seen Rogue One a handful of times. I saw the IMAX re-release Ooh, in the lead up to nice. Andor. Super exciting oh. and thrilling. You know. One of the movies I've rewatched the most since mm-hmm. its release uh, in 2016. So I definitely want to cover Rogue One, you know, on its own dedicated yeah. episode. <laughs> I would need to rewatch that, though, because I don't think I've seen it since it was in theaters. We'll watch it again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love it. I'm, I'm such an easy mark for Star Wars, mm. though. Like, easy lay, you know. It's like, uh, it, it's a warm bath for me. Mm-hmm. And it's also... Um, just kind of hard for me to get into any serialized uh, long-form television. Mm. I don't know. I'm I'm more of just like very attention One deficit and done. sort of. Mm-hmm. Well, or yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put on a YouTube video. Less pressure to stay like totally focused yeah. and concentrated on it. But with Star Wars, it's just I like to be immersed and em- yeah. enveloped oh, in yeah. the world. And I don't care if the story doesn't, you know if it's not necessarily hitting on all cylinders mm-hmm. of the, uh, you know, very stylized, uh, what are they called? The, the Vespa uh, swoop bikes. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Chromers. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it sort of putters along like a Book of Boba Fett to a degree. Mm-hmm. But I still mm-hmm. enjoy it. Uh, I, I like living in that world and the aesthetic. But also just sci-fi in general can be like that for me, just like a fun, guilty pleasure. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I will, you know, eagerly profess that my favorite Star Trek movie of all time is, is the first motion mm. picture, which a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, dis- dismiss because it's so slow sure. and plodding. I love that. I just love living in this. It's so, you know, trippy. It's mm-hmm. atmospheric. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can totally relate to that. I mean, my background is like production design and like set design and stuff so if you show me a cool world like i'm sold even if the story is like only kind of there like valerian and the city of planets is one of my favorites and people always laugh because it's objectively a terrible movie super fun but But, oh my gosh the production design the world is just amazing Uh, we need Mm -hmm. to watch more sci-fi movies yeah but uh, same like star wars I'm already so sold on the world. Like, even if you give me subpar content, like, I'm going to enjoy it. Because any time we get to spend in there, just seeing how people live their lives mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. we. I did an episode on Book of Boba Fett with my brother, Dawson, our mm. brother, um, and uh, didn't discuss the... Obi-Wan series, I, I think I came out with, like, a discussion on the anime. Well, uh, yeah, we did a, uh, with Jody, a fellow co-host of the Thodcast, uh, talked about Star Wars Visions, mm. uh, sort of in the lead-up to Kenobi. 
uh, very Force-centric series, um, anthology series on Disney+. Plus. It's all animated, all in the an- in Japanese right. anime, d- various... Uh, you saw that, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think it. I saw a couple, because after it came out, then people were like, well, you only really should watch, like, a couple of these episodes <laughs> and yeah they're good they're short um yeah. this year we had tales of the jedi mm-hmm. just some short um animated uh it, that's that was also an anthology although some are more connected mm-hmm. thematically with like ahsoka tano and uh, count dooku spe- you know mm-hmm. specifically you know episodes centered around them um there was one cool Featuring of the Jedi Yaddle. Yes. Yeah. We find out what happens to Yaddle in between episodes, which might have been a retcon, but I liked that? it. I liked it. I don't it. know who that is. <laughs> uh, Yaddle. It, yeah. Go, go ahead. Yaddle is the one who looks like Yoda in The Phantom oh. Menace, and then we never see again. It, it's a she? Yeah. A Yoda she? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. A Shoda. Lady a Shoda. <laughs> a Shida. <laughs> of course, all the uh, fan fiction about you know yaddle and yoda mm. being the parents of mm-hmm. grogu potentially i don't Ooh. know that's yeah. spicy <laughs> do you think we ever will find out who grogu's lineage is? it's a real question because actually yoda species i believe still in canon has no name like yoda oh. and yaddle prior to grogu and prior to disney being uh, purchasing the rights were the only like known members of that mm-hmm. race in the galaxy. And so. it, there's no name, no name for the race. I believe not. Mm. George Lucas, wow. you know, intentionally he kept certain things mm-hmm. um, very obscure, uh, just to you know elevate the mystery of certain elements of Star Wars that he didn't sure. want to be just so. Because yeah. so much of that world has been just poured over mm-hmm. in excruciating detail. Well, <laughs> and I mean, who wants to put in that much work? Let's be real. I mean, that's a lot yeah. of work to have to go through and name every little thing, creature, character, herb, plant. Well, you know. and he didn't necessarily do that. He signs off on certain things, mm-hmm. but I, he has certain underlings who handle all the expanded mythology. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it's just, you know, it's amazing, you know, what gets attributed to George Lucas and you know, he's owed a lot, but... Um, Maybe I, it's not really his story any longer, it's or... A, uh, there is some <laughs> interplay of, like, at what point does it no longer become your thing, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. is it after somebody makes a movie for you in that universe, or... Mm. I don't know. It's it's an odd, because, like... Well, and now it's become Disney's, so it's not even, yeah. like... I don't know. It's yeah. kind of weird. I mean, he Disney probably, universe. yeah, you know, I, I think with a lot of these aliens, you know, he would just know them by their nicknames, like Hammerhead or Walrus yeah. Man or something. And then someone else probably came in, you know, some toy executive at Hasbro, you know, or Kenner back in the day, like naming these mm-hmm. aliens or, mm-hmm. or something. But it, I just, that's part of what made me fall in love with Star Wars is the fact that it felt so big mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that there was all this explanation as to what everything was mm-hmm. beyond just what was seen on screen um and it, it, for me there wasn't really that delineation between um the the extrapolation and the text mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. when i of course i was young so i didn't really think about oh this this is g level canon or you know mm-hmm. this is the stuff that is 
you know, is never going to get, you know, contradicted through future or probably not going to get retconned in future installments. And then there's like novels and stuff that that, uh, you know, as soon as there is a, you know, film, a piece of filmed content that mm-hmm. contradicts that it eradicates right. you know, anything that's, yeah. in, you know, secondary yeah, source. Yeah, I wasn't really into all that. <laughs> I just think it looks cool and I like a lot of the characters and Yeah. I like that it mm-hmm. I mean I, I really do like sci fi, but I never got into Star Trek or I mean some of these other sci fi shows that just seemed mm-hmm. kinda too cheesy. But Star Wars I like how it's grounded and mm-hmm. it kind of is like a little junky mm-hmm. like junky sci-fi like steampunky junky I, which I, do I love love how like <laughs> the design concept of star wars is like humans and like people just don't clean things and like <laughs> the future will never be as clean as star trek because like people be driving rust buckets around the galaxy well, yeah. still yeah it's it's great i love it yeah i mean it's uh i guess it's just a extension of our own reality um in a way that would probably, you know, realistically allow people to continue to live um, relatively natural, uh, unadulterated lives, you know, relative to like how li- how people can be just so affected, I think, by technology and we're mm-hmm. seeing it in today's world. And if you're going to have uh, the human race continue um in in this sort of environment, you're gonna have to, I don't know, do something to temper the role that that um, technological intervention plays, you mm-hmm. know, in in everyday yeah. living. So, like in the Star Wars, sure they can accomplish anything technologically if they set their minds to it. But th- there's you know a lot of wisdom in keeping things sort of simple and you know not inventing some kind of like nanotechnology that right. goes around yeah. and cleans everything right. and makes yeah. it right. so you know it, that gets a little too magical i think yeah it's mm-hmm. like too i think there's like a very interesting uh there's an interesting spin that a lot of like content from that originated in like the 70s and 80s has where like the future is still like this cassette futurism like analog Mm-hmm. future like yeah. Battlestar Galactica like there's this like AI that has taken over so they like scrap all of their like computers and return mm-hmm. like it's still the future and everything is octagons instead of squares it's so <laughs> funny but like the ships are all analog like they don't carry around like massive computers and stuff and like Star Wars like yeah. there's droids and data pads and stuff but somehow still feels very like nuts and bolts and mm-hmm. grimy oh yeah and you're talking about groundedness and grimy. In, yeah and <laughs> one of the things i was gonna say i, I, I love <laughs> i love about andor is that they show that like through glimpses of these characters especially cyril when he goes back mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. you oh. see like the life of the everyday person mm-hmm. you know when it pans to those gloves on the wall of like the miners like don't need to address it but like oh, that's a thing somebody does every day. They go get their gloves and they go to work. Or Cyril wakes up and has cereal with his mom when he was little. That was so cool. Yeah, oh, yeah. we want to see more blue milk cereal. <laughs> and then we want <laughs> Disney to sell that in stores. Oh, like That would slap. 
what? looked it looked like a mint chocolate chip kind of deal. I was gonna say like, wait, what were were they like balls? Like, what was the cereal? Like I don't remember. Little green and black balls, I oh, think. Yeah, yeah it looked kind of like Captain Crunch. Yeah. to me. Yeah, but like mint, yeah, minty chocolate in blue milk. Like, I feel that's like that would slap. Of, yeah, oh. sounds really good. They had that wow. Galaxy's Edge blue milk too. Whoa, yeah. Brand. Yeah, they could market that. Mm-hmm. They could sell that. Which more ways for Disney to make money, I guess. Which is also <laughs> funny because, like, we talked about like George Lucas. Like, does he still control, or like, is he still could be attributed to having like given birth to it? And like, George Lucas kept the merchandising rights for Star Wars for so long. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> this is a complete tangent. But if you go to a store now and you go to the Star Wars aisle, there's like nothing. So do you think it was because he let that go or does he still have the merchandising? No, no, I think he sold that too. But oh. Disney just like does not go as hard on the merchandising as... That's so weird. I feel mm-hmm. like they used to, but maybe not. They did. Yeah. Well, I mean, when the OG movies were coming out, yeah, like you could get like the Star yeah. Wars themed foods and the it's like... It's more niche now. Yeah. Um, I, I think m- there are lines of and or figures that are coming out currently, but it's not the sort of thing you'll necessarily see, you know, flooding the right. shelves of like a Target yeah. or Which, Walmart. Which, I mean, going on the tangent now still about toys, is that why kids these days are not as like big of fans of Star Wars than like we were as kids? Because like right now the biggest rage is pokemon and and <laughs> nerf guns and like what what we see in our own nephew he's like big into pokemon probably because they have great kid friendly merchandise like <laughs> yeah I mean, all of the pokemon cards and little figurines and maybe the games there is an interesting like angle about there's always this like interplay of like is star wars for adults or is it for children mm. you know and like there was this big thing when the Clone Wars came out and everybody was, well, the original Clone Wars movie, everyone was like, oh, this animation is like clearly for children. Oh, mm-hmm. this isn't for real Star Wars yeah. fans. And then like the animation, I mean, the animation of the Clone Wars series went through such a like change from season yeah. one to season seven that by the time season seven came around, it was 100% an adult really? like, franchise. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Have you done an episode on Clone, War- Clone uh, Wars yet? No, I no, I think um, Clone Wars Rebels, like those Filoni, mm-hmm. uh, some pe- some fans refer to it as the, the Filoni verse. You know, Dave <laughs> oh, Filoni's really? creator. Oh, yeah. That's funny. Um, and yeah, I, I know Das and I did a episode just kind of riffing on Avatar: The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. which Filoni um, actually um, quit, uh, or he was. Uh, I guess poached from mm-hmm. that show to work on the Clone Wars by George mm-hmm. Lucas. Yeah, I mean that show was sort of George Lucas's take on Thunderbirds, mm-hmm. the pu- puppet aesthetic, you know, the wooden puppets, and then uh, the the art style is also ad- adapted from the Gendy Tartakovsky mm-hmm. series as well. So it's, it's sort of a mashup of a few different things and went through, yeah, a lot of d- odd stylistic changes throughout <laughs> its uh, yep. run. <laughs> you know, shifts in tone from episode or quite, arc to arc. Yeah, quite so. Yeah, but it, it's good. You know, a lot of it's great. 
Um, some of it's a little silly. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen any. <laughs> there are definitely <laughs> like episodes where like Jar Jar gets a girlfriend, and that's the content. And then there's like war crimes are happening, and like we ask existential <laughs> questions about ourselves. Arcs, yeah, like and they're like Andor. right next to each other. Yeah, so, a, a lot of people are fans of. Uh, you know, having Dave Filoni be kind of the Kevin Feige, mm-hmm. you know, mastermind shepherd of the Star Wars saga. Um, and he's probably earned that position. I think he has a good understanding of like the force and mm-hmm. balance and it's for the spiritual themes of Star Wars. Um, as far as his writing, I don't know, it, it maybe is a little, it maybe wavers at times in my opinion, <laughs> but I, I loved Rebels yep. oh, most for the most part. Mm. Um, we did an episode on Resistance mm. back in the day, and that was just a very kind of yeah, yeah. Had limited purchase as a mm-hmm. an experience, and I didn't finish the series even. Um, but Filoni had very little uh, involvement in that. Um, and now, uh, the creator of Andor did what Gil- else? Yeah, Tony Gilroy. Tony Gilroy. Did he do Rogue One? As well, so uh, Tony Gilroy is sort of, uh, I think, uh, has has become known as a bit of a script doctor or like, a, well, Michael Clayton, the um, film directed by Tony Gilroy is all about this guy who's like a fixer. He's like Mike Ehrman Trout from Breaking Bad. He, he's like a, the cleaner that comes in and makes everything right after something dirty's gone right. down. Because mm. um, Rogue One swip, <laughs> swipsy swapped directors like three times, right? Oh. Um, it was always uh, Gareth Edwards mm. um, is the credited director, and I think he may be, you know at least 50% of what you see in the final product is his directing. Mm. Um, but they did massive reshoots, and Tony Gilroy was brought in as mm. sort of the ghost director mm. uh, for that. But then, Tony yeah. Gilroy did not write and or he just directed it. Um, there was a lot a of team of writers. Team, but he, he did contribute quite a bit, I think, to okay. the writing. Mm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it's hard to be like a solo writer for Disney shows and movies these days because you have to have Mm -hmm. such a library of knowledge (laughs) in order to keep everything in line with each other they do have i believe a team of like lore experts at disney for like different franchises because like especially for things like the mcu and star wars Mm -hmm. like they need people who can like be like, well, you can't actually put that in because that would retcon like four books, you know? And like, you probably wouldn't know that if you were just stepping in from like a directorial perspective or like, yeah. 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 um, That's one fact, like uh, the internal Lucasfilm brain trust or the uh, keepers of the holocron. If there's some term, (laughs) I can't think of it right now. It's pretty hoity-toity if (laughs) Um, I remember correctly. They actually have like a title Mm -hmm. for what they are. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's it's important that they have people who know the series uh, or know the saga, know the um, even some of the expanded stuff. Um, And and Disney is trying to keep things fairly cohesive across all media nowadays uh and there was a big reset where you know all the expanded universe content beyond the original films got um essentially discarded although stuff that isn't directly contradicted could all also be brought in mm-hmm. future mm-hmm. projects 
Um, like Grand Admiral Thrawn, for right. example. That was, a, that was a big return for a lot of ex- expanded universe fans. Yeah. Um, there's just no way a single person, though, can keep all this stuff in mind when mm-hmm. trying to tell yeah. a story. So, you know, you have other people take a look at things. And there's all always, like, a lot of room for interpretation. You know, there's... There's 60 different stories out mm-hmm. there in Star Wars Legends and even some probably technically canon about, you know, what happened at Ord Mantell, for right, example. Right, um, But uh, with Tony Gilroy, like, he's not professed to be a Star Wars fanatic. Mm. Uh, he'd probably seen mm-hmm. all the films before directing uh, or, you know, coming in to, to help on Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's clearly a very smart guy. I'm, yeah, I trust clearly him. Clearly, just a good yeah. storyteller, and that's what Andor was. It was a good, really good story. Mm-hmm. I I kind of feel like Andor was made. It it almost feels like a drag and drop of like a normal like crime thriller show that they were just like, well, let's reskin this for Star Wars. Wait, and did I see that he worked on Born Legacy? Which yeah. it, this kind of feels it very does like. Feel- there's this guy that gets thrown into like this mm-hmm. bigger plot crime thing, and then he's gotta like mm. be really cool and do all these things. And but I don't the know. great yeah. thing about that is that like what Star Wars is is like pretty much just like the aesthetic and like the worlds and stuff. So like you can take a story, and if it's a western or a thriller or just a war mm-hmm. movie like Rogue One. And you wrap it in that Star Wars skin and then, like, present it in a good way. Like, it just works. Yeah. Because I mean, Mandalorian's basically just a Western. Just a Western serial. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if that was the Lone Ranger with, Lone like, a little Ranger. friend, like, oh, yeah. it would be the same thing almost, right. you know? Right. Yeah. He did a lot of work on the Bourne series, but did direct one film. That was the Bourne Legacy. Mm. That was actually the one with um, uh, Renner, Jeremy Renner, mm-hmm. uh, that Matt Damon was, oh, was in. okay. Um, still a decent film, I think. Um, it didn't perform as well just because Matt Damon wasn't in it. But I'd, I'd have to... I, I've seen the first three foreign movies mm-hmm. several times mm-hmm. each. Um, but I think Legacy was the fourth, and then there was uh, one final born with... Matt Damon returning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure they're all fine. Uh, and and I think Gilroy worked on, I mean, almost all of them, maybe except for mm-hmm. the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have cool. all the credits here, but uh, yeah. Uh, screenplay for The Bourne Ultimatum. Oh, uh, Identity and Supremacy. So, so all screenplay? Screenplay, yeah. Writing? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I mean, he definitely seems more like a writer first director second maybe and that makes probably makes you a I don't, better yeah <laughs> i don't think he was involved <laughs> yeah i don't think he was involved at all in jason Bourne. yeah the mm. final one okay um which i think has perhaps the worst reputation of oh, all no. of them. <laughs> i think i stopped seeing them after ultimatum so i don't know if yeah. i've even seen huh. jason Bourne. but no the first three are great yeah well yeah Andor, I think, had definitely some of the best best writing that we have seen mm-hmm. in a Star Wars show lately. And great storytelling, great characters, even though we had never really seen them before. But, like, 
Oh my gosh. I loved Mon Mothma. Like mm-hmm. I want there to be now just a show about her and like how she rose into power and like became a senator because she's I mean, so cool. What a great use of like a fairly underutilized character yeah. too. She's yeah. in Rebels a little bit and I mean that's kind of yeah. And I only really remember from her the what was it, isn't she in the like Kyle Katarn like oh yeah. like Dark Empire? There's yeah, some video oh. games, video games, and I was like, she just seems so cool. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very I, like the first pixie cut hairstyle, like woman, mm-hmm. and kind um, of always wearing white. It was like such a vibe. Yeah, Dark Forces um, is that first Kyle Katarn video game, and she she was in it quite in a bit, a right? Mm-hmm. Well, then there's Jedi uh, Jedi. Night Two Jedi Outcast. The opening oh, yeah. cutscene yeah. mm-hmm. has her in the you know fully CG form, um, but that actress Genevieve O'Reilly um, is uh, is the same person who has played Mon Mothma since Episode Three, right. where she was uh, her, she was in a scene that was cut. So it's kind of a cool story. In episode three? What do you mean? She um, was in that? She's, yeah. Huh. She's with, well, she's with the group of senators that are like walking with Padme after Obi-Wan and Anakin come back after they do cool guy stuff. And that then, was the same actress? Oh, wow. I guess she maybe is briefly she's visible. Briefly, I think. Okay. And then I How think there's an she? address to the Senate where like Bail Organa looks over. But oh. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. She, she did have a bigger role in Rogue One, though, I believe. Okay, she's the same age as Star Wars. Uh, so as four, she was the 45. same age as Star Wars? Uh, born in 90, <laughs> 1977. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. No, she she was one of my favorite characters for sure. And, and Luthien? Luthien? Was it Luthien? Luthien. Luthien, yeah. He is new. Loved, loved both of them. And yeah. they're like... Uh, their interactions together were some of my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. And I know I was like, oh, I, I love sci-fi films and how grungy they are, and blah, blah, blah. But like her scenes in, um, where are they? Cor- where are they? Coruscant. Coruscant, yeah. 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 Are super fun. Which, and I mean, like underutilized character, underutilized planet. I mean, I, Coruscant, yeah. there was that. Okay, so George Lucas, I don't know if you've heard about this, but he mm-hmm. had that... Uh, he had a live action show planned mm-hmm. that was going to be in like the Coruscant underworld. And then mm-hmm. there was that Boba Fett, like 181 uh, video game that was supposed to take place on Coruscant in the underworld. Mm. So there's been a lot of like people being like, we want to see the Coruscant underworld. We want to see the underworld. And I wonder if they'll play into that more maybe season two. Yeah. Cause we didn't see a ton Mm-mm. in this show. But it was it was a better look than we've gotten so far. Yeah. We got to see some cool yeah. like infrastructure yeah. and like I love the like art collector, like yes. kind of like the high rise mm. level of Coruscant uh-huh. that we're uh-huh. seeing, like the senator where they interact and then those scenes where they go to that lower level <laughs> and they like have that conversation oh. mm-hmm. on that like not OSHA approved little like Oh oh my gosh wild. when Luthen mm-hmm. was having his Batman moment mm-hmm. and this That's the dope under level about, of course yeah. and oh my gosh, I can't wait till we do some stuff there. <sighs> my mind like, is a sunless space. <laughs> yes, my such oh, a good monologue. Yeah. Again, like the show had it was sort of a slow burn. There was a lot mm-hmm. of dialogue a lot of characters meeting them getting to know them and their backstories and stuff but it's all worth it and i have a feeling that will just make season two even 
better in a sense because like yeah. now we know who these characters are so there's probably going to be more action a little more i don't know risky business but I, I thought it was so funny like there were three episodes where i thought the show was done yeah oh uh, we <laughs> thought it was done after episode eight we well, were like they did the eye episode right where they mm-hmm. escape front or they do their heist and i was like this is beautiful what an ender finale yeah. oh <laughs> this was such a great show <laughs> and yeah. then a friend was like, hey, did you see the new one? And I was like, what? It's done, right? And they were like, no, there's like 12 episodes. And yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Wow. We thought after episode eight was done, then after episode After the 10, prison break, and yeah. And then after, after episode 12. Well, I mean, I mean then it was So done. many like so good mini arcs building yeah. into this larger. I mean, it was. It, it definitely kept it more interesting towards the end. Because the first yeah. couple, the first like two, three episodes was like sort of a. A slog. They had way. to do a lot of until they got to the heist. A lot of setup for those, which. But I don't know, Philip. Did you want to talk about like the show and give a little rundown, or like no spoilers, um, or? Oh, we don't have to go too deep into spoilers. <laughs> I think I dropped um, some spoilers. That's, no, it's okay. Like, uh, if we keep things relatively vague, sure. it's, it's not like anyone will remember this, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and hopefully by now everyone's seen the show. Yeah. And loves it as much as we do, but it's it's pretty easy to get through. Uh, I think the longest episode is maybe forty minutes mm-hmm. at most. Um, mm-hmm. The yeah, twelve episodes. I I mean, I'm a major nerd, so I you know was aware based on you know listening to all kinds of podcast coverage leading up to it. You know, it's a twenty. There's a twenty-four episode buy from Disney for uh, two seasons of 12 mm-hmm. episodes a piece mm-hmm. uh so the first one being um 12 episodes set across uh the course of about a year and mm-hmm. uh then the remaining um 12 are set across a much more broad time frame mm-hmm. yeah we kind um, of time jump yeah yeah in there. concluding with um sort of the lead up to rogue one um, mm-hmm. So it, it will probably be a lot more fast-paced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because how many years now do we have until Rogue One? Four-ish. Four, Four. years. And I yeah. was, what I heard is that each season is going to be like a year oh. out of that. So they're going to do a time jump every season. Oh, but Philip well, just said there that might, there's only going to be two seasons. Oh, there might oh, only sorry. be or two total. Yeah, th- oh. I think. Like every three episodes, there's like a. Oh, so they'll just do mini arcs and then jump in between uh, you know unless disney orders more um but they are in i think they're in production on season two mm. so i they, they're probably just planning on this being a set 24 two, episodes yeah, yeah. Um, which is good to have yeah. these things planned ahead that'd be cool yeah plan it ahead plan ahead don't draw mm-hmm. it out too much because it's just gonna get honestly they might boring also and... be trying to leave room for other shows to fit into that slot in the timeline because i mean uh, as much as i do enjoy a prequel here and there but Mm -hmm. like how much else can we fit in like let's let's see what's going on now it's really odd (laughs) one of the special things about star wars is that there is only one timeline like other than like canon rewrites and stuff and like retcons Mm -hmm. Like the MCU has like alternate timelines yeah, that everything that is goes true. into. Like Star Wars has always existed on like a 
he, this happened in zero BBY, and this happened in you know, which is very unlike sci-fi. Sci-fi <laughs> loves the like, oh, yeah. let's go back in time. Yeah, or there's like no portal time... to the future, mm-hmm. and like no time traveling other yeah. than in the animated series. Wait, like Clone Wars? Or... Uh, yeah, it's it's almost oh. like Game of Thrones style time travel, though, where it's just like brief glimpses almost oh. into. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you know. a, a dream into yeah yeah we're like vision. A, a character is seeing another character in the past and mm. they're like don't do it and they do it and it's, right yeah. it's yeah. not like we're gonna go and change the whole yeah but you yeah. say like oh there's how can we fit any more things in here and that's oh, what I was asking myself that? when they were doing like solo which I ended up loving but I was like really do we like the timeline seems pretty but every like every like four twenty year like little spaces they love to just. Yeah. Put something in there. Yeah, and maybe it's just for the nostalgia because these are all characters that yeah. we know and love, and we want to know more about them. But mm. like, I, I mean, even I just mentioned that it would be fun to see Mon Mothma's like rise mm-hmm. to senatorship. But I mean, maybe that could just be a little the interesting mini episode. The, the interesting thing that it does let us do, Flashback. though, when they're doing this one timeline thing, is that some shows are happening simultaneously. So like Bad Batch and like Andor are kind of around the same time so you're Mm. well actually bad badge takes place before so you're getting that like turn from the empire from like the republic into the empire and like and or you get that flashback of like the clones in the street Mm. and stuff so we're kind of like in that really fun territory where it's all like intermixing so it's a good time to be a star wars fan in that regard but then so okay what is technically the most recent in the timeline? Is it the the third of the new series that came out, the movie? Yeah, or, the f- like the furthest. I think Mandalorian took place in takes between. Place in between. Yeah. So, okay, so the the last Jedi is the final Rise Rise, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Rise of Skywalker. Last Jedi was the second one. Yeah. yeah. Rise of Skywalker is, I believe, the end of like the. Skywalker's saga. Skywalker's saga. I think there are a yeah. couple novels that have come out that like do a like, oh, this is afterward. But yeah. as far as like the main canon that like everybody is aware of, like on screen, on screen especially. So then, is technically Andor part of the Skywalker saga, or is there like its own little saga before? The it's, Death it's Star insula- and it's Darth Vader. Most and- contiguous with. Rogue One, mm-hmm. but that leads straight into Episode Four. But stylistically, yeah. the two are very similar. Yeah, I would yeah. say it. I mean, it, like, is there the Clone Wars saga? Is that like t- its own thing? That's the thing. Because if oh. you watch, if you watch Clone Wars to Rebels to Andor, you'll get that continuity because they reuse characters, they reuse mm. like concepts and stuff from it. But if you watch just the main Star Wars saga, you'll get that same level of like oh i know these people you know yeah so like if you watch both you're double immersed but if you only watch one you're still fine yeah which is pretty cool i do like that i do like that i i am not caught up in the marvel universe i'm so behind i haven't watched all the shows it's too much it's too much (laughs) at this point yeah so i am appreciating star wars and how it's not just totally crazy out of control and mm-hmm. you can have just like a nice timeline yeah and it's very linear yeah not a tree it is linear if you know where things go 
Yeah. Unlike my grandma, who's like, what? Where are we now? I mean. When is this? Same. But, but yeah. I could figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's crucial for entertainment of the scale to have a certain amount of accessibility to new viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people are saying this series and or is approachable by people who aren't necessarily fans of Star Wars just based on its thematic content, right. on the mm-hmm. strength of narrative. Yeah. Um, you know, it deals with these very relevant themes of uprising, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. fascist regimes yep. uh, and how they gain a foothold. You know, the kinds of actions that, you know, <laughs> force the hand of some of these mm-hmm. despotic these uh, institutions like the is it the ISB is mm-hmm. the arm of the empire that's this uh, security mm-hmm. bureau yep. the intelligence system uh, yeah that uh, then imposes this extremely rigid you know penal system across the galaxy mm-hmm. I mean it's just insane but that but that was instigated by this action that was premeditated by certain people within the rebellion yeah mm-hmm. uh, there they people like Luthen want you know this sort of mm-hmm. oppression to come down so that people are awakened it's it's so interesting like the the moral calculus mm-hmm. of provoking a power to this sort of action in order to prove their true yeah. intentions is you know is there a certain moral onus on the per, on, on the provocateur mm. for doing this or is it all on the oligarchy that's right. you know imposing the the fo- you know this force of uh, authority uh, it reminds me one thing i go back to is like the scene in star trek 2009 when um kirk has to prove that he he wants to resume command of the enterprise mm-hmm. that you know Spock has taken out from under him, mm-hmm. and uh, in order to do so, he needs to prove that Spock is emotionally compromised. Right, and so he pushes mm-hmm. and pushes and pushes Spock until he suddenly sta- snaps, and then can, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. um, you know, exceed the the command. You know, is he right to do so? I guess so. If you can be pushed to that point of breaking, mm-hmm. then perhaps you aren't worthy of holding that authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, so do you feel like the Republic was like, the or the Rebellion was pushing the Empire too far? Or do you feel like the Empire was innately, like, corrupt? Or? Well, we know <laughs> as viewers, you know, yeah, it's, it's right, controlled right. by the Sith. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah you know. Innately <laughs> corrupt is how it be. Yeah. yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. But they do have a lot of interesting talks in the show about, like, you know, Mon Mothma comes and is like, if you do this, like, peop- like thousands of people are going to die. Yeah. You know? yeah. And like... And, yeah. <laughs> and the, the calculus in the show that Luthen at least is making is like, yeah, it's worth it. Anything, like, any cost would be worth it to rid the galaxy of this, like, scourge, which, like, hmm. I mean, yeah, they're fascists. Ooh. Like, get rid of them. Yeah. Come on. But um, it's very interesting. Would we get go to those lengths and this time i mean that's in, a question in, in like real life? <laughs> all sci-fi is an allegory right so yeah. like it's holding up a mirror to ourselves of like oh it takes place in this crumbling republic that's dealing with like a fascist takeover like you know what it it's a mirror mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah wow mm-hmm. so deep there's an 
uh, there's something I learned about very recently called the Tark the Tarkin Doctrine, mm-hmm. which was because like there had always been the like oh well the Empire just like makes super weapons that's just like what they do, and I never really like thought about it, but I ran into this article that was talking about the Tarkin Doctrine, which was basically like they're just gonna build like overwhelming firepower mm-hmm. so that no one like has the courage to like resist because them, yeah. we'll just blow up whatever planet you live on right you know? which we <laughs> which saw they do. them do <laughs> which they do which is it's interesting because like everybody is aware of this so like them that conversation about like people are gonna die if we do this like mm-hmm. well people are gonna die regardless people are gonna like, die regardless but like they don't even know yet the scale mm-hmm but mm-hmm. they're aware that it's a possibility, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, the Tarkin doctrine, I mean, it's very much in keeping with Sith ideology, and that's why Tarkin was elevated to a status that was essentially just the highest rank immediately under mm-hmm. the Emperor and Darth Vader, the, the two Sith kind of at the forefront, you know, at, you know, I guess they're in the shadows, so publicly it's not quite as obvious that they're... Um, causing all this mayhem but Tarkin himself he's a bit more of a public facing figure mm-hmm. but uh, I'm sure even his plans of that and that doctrine was probably something that they tried to keep pretty secretive yeah yeah <laughs> yeah wow yeah uh, it's uh, it's pretty you know amazing yeah the commentary on like you know what's the purpose of having checks and balances and mm-hmm. unalienable rights it really makes you think. I mean, this show it it uh, andor as far as other Star Wars shows go and movies, it really does make you think. Yeah. yeah. I don't think watching, you know, yeah, the Last Jedi and Return of Skywalker was like, huh? I yeah, interesting. But <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's entertainment. But this was kind of more than just entertainment in yeah. a way. Cool. I, I like the crazy, weird, mystical, I don't know, all the weird cis stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> in uh, The Rise of Skywalker, just to put it casually. But Yeah, I mean, the, the sequel trilogy, I feel like, delves into, like, a spiritual mirror rather mm-hmm. than, like, a political, political yeah. or, like, um, cultural mm-hmm. mirror, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Um because, yeah, I, I didn't really pick up on a whole lot of themes in there other than, like, this, again, fascist thing, oh, like, coming oh, back. Sure. Oh, but yeah. uh, but I felt like there was a much heavier, like, emphasis on, like, the inner the inner peace of people and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How do you govern a galaxy full of, you know, billions of people? Yeah, all kinds all of different... All different- other yeah. than with and... giant guns, you're saying? Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> giant weapons of mass destruction? Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's, it's mostly just a, a fairly loose confederation mm-hmm. of various cultures and peoples. And, and that's probably how it should be. You know, people should be self-governing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the popular sovereignty should yeah. be the... Wait, so what was before the Empire... The Republic. Yeah. And what was the Republic? So the Republic is kind of analogous to what we have now if you took every planet as being a state. Like the UN. Yeah, yeah. So like Mon Mothma's character being a senator, Mm -hmm. is she a senator of the Republic or of like the Empire now? She was a senator of her planet to the Republic. 
Okay. And then when the Republic turned into the Empire, they kept the Senate. So she's still a senator for her planet to the Empire. But they basically just like stripped the Senate of a lot of its like powers. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So that, and in the show, Mon Mothma is seen like kind of struggling and like trying to like, she, no one's listening. She to gives her, these speeches really. yeah. and no one's listening, right? <laughs> so sad. Um, which, like before in the Republic, like they'd give speeches and stuff, but there was this underlying corruption still mm-hmm. that, like, ever, like things still didn't get done. You know? And how long had the Republic lasted for? Do we know how long it was like a Republic for? Uh, like, yeah, there's certain timeline timelines, several question. millennia. Yeah. Like no. how well did it work? There's like a of... <laughs> there's like a High Republic era, which actually mm. Disney is now putting out content for at least in book form. But in the High Republic, but they were like, isn't that like where the Jedi were more? In, yeah. yeah, and that was like thousands of sense. years ago. And then yeah. there was like Mandalorian Jedi Wars and stuff like that. Oh. It's it's stated in the original Star Wars: A New Hope. Um, Obi Wan, I believe, says for over a thousand generations, the mm. Jedi. We're the guardians of mm. peace and justice Good pull. Good pull. In, yeah. in the Republic, in the galaxy, you know, in, in the before the dark times, before mm-hmm. the Empire. Um, so throughout those, you know, people say, you know, around 30,000 years is maybe when um, the, gal- gala- you know, the broader <laughs> galactic yeah. uh, um, consortium of various worlds started to uh, agglomerate. And form, you know, the, the earliest um, kind of consolidated mm-hmm. republic or interconnected um, authority amongst the various worlds that were capable of, like, interstellar travel. Mm-hmm. And then now, with the takedown of the empire, are where are were they going to go back to being like a republic? Was that the idea, or did they not really discuss that much in the last movie? They are, yeah, they are once again the Republic. Yeah. Okay, okay. The, the New Republic. The New Republic, yeah. okay. Yeah. Which happens gotcha. in both <laughs> the old EU and the new sequel okay. uh, trilogy. So. I've never really been good with c- civics and the politics, so this is a good refresher. It's okay. I, yeah, yeah. It was like, We're going to teach I you remember... politics through Star Wars. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Honestly, it probably would be a good way to do that. Like, <laughs> This is an oligarchy, and this is yeah. like a yeah, like this all is a the trade conglomeration. The... Here's a droid army. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm. It's not... like if Jeff Bezos got a bunch of Amazon robots and took over oh. Naboo. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah, I mean the galaxy. I think has been controlled by the Sith at points in the past as mm-hmm. well. Oh. Um, so yeah, very, sometimes there are you know periods of dark darkness. You know the the. 30,000 years or 1,000 generations that Obi-Wan was referring to mm-hmm. wasn't, you know... Purely just the the Jedi in control. It was yeah. like a battle between them. I think... Yeah. Oh, well, this is back on topic, I suppose. But <laughs> one of the things I did enjoy about Andor a lot was that it didn't have any Jedi in mm. it. Like, other than artifacts in that collector's, like... The collector room oh, yeah. being like, obviously there were some holocrons and stuff. Like other than that, there was pretty much no, no force, no mm-hmm. Jedi, no, no like engagement with that like higher spiritual level of Star Wars, mm-hmm. which was really interesting because in almost all of their other franchises, except maybe Boba Fett, at least in the series, mm-hmm. there's always been either a Jedi character or a force 
sensitive. Like Rogue One had the two, uh, yeah. the two Kyber monks. Yeah, what, what uh, Chirrut and and Baze. Yeah, um, yeah, they were the Guardians, of the Wills. That's it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. And that's the, an epic that was name. the I'm the Force and the Force is with me guy. Oh I yeah, love yeah, him. yeah, I love yeah. Him. yeah. The guy from Ip Man, so cool. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, but yeah, they didn't they didn't engage with that and. I mm. thought it kind of made it a little stronger to have that like full perspective of like, okay, you're going in against the empire without These any are the powers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It kind of felt almost, yeah. I don't know if any of the viewers have seen the boys, you know, Yeah. but like oh, this, yeah. like we're going up yeah. against super, like super powered people and we're just norm- normal people yeah. trying to do this thing. And I feel like that's a, a fun vibe. It, it's a, it's a good perspective because then you feel like you have something to, to contribute because like clearly mm-hmm. we don't have powers as a viewer <laughs> yeah, yeah and you know yeah cheering for the underdogs is always um a good yeah. storytelling people like, yeah have drawn a lot of parallels between i think luthan and palpatine and mm-hmm. some some of their just very um you I Duplicitous, do yeah, worry kind of, he's going to yeah. turn into a bad guy. Oh, shoot. I feel like Luthen's going to be a bad guy. <laughs> well, they're just <laughs> no. very committed to one particular ideology yep. or yeah. or end That never result. ends well. Yeah. But Luthen's perfectly willing to like sacrifice himself for yeah. the greater good, I think. Yeah. yeah I wonder if there will be a like moment cuz cuz he's not in the movie, right? He's not in the movie. So there's probably going to be some Well, Cassian seems to have very little qualms with shooting people who were previously mm. his allies. So I, <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering if there's going to be a moment later on where Cassian gets the oh, drop shoot. on him for something he does. But Dang. Uh, yeah, a lot of very just gritty pragmatism yeah. that goes into yeah a lot of this spycraft, really yeah. statecraft. You know, you sometimes you have to <laughs> like in the in the opening scene of Rogue One, even mm-hmm. you know. Cass, uh, Cassian Merck's the dude who has the injury because if, <laughs> he can't climb. Yeah, <laughs> if he gets caught by the Empire, he'll uh, yeah. you know he could rat. Oh wow! Um, I don't remember that. Really, but, like they really are showing the like cold calculus of like this. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you got to survive. Yeah, I mean the whole yeah. second half of Andor was Luthen trying to take down Cassian because he didn't mm-hmm. want his identity to be. Um, yeah. Exposed, you know, exposed, yeah. and so I don't know. There could be a lot of that back and forth yeah. in in the oh. second in the second season. I mean, fans will speculate mm-hmm. on anything, but one popular theory is that Luthen's force sensitive or has connections oh. to force sensitive mm. people. I could see that. Um, he does have a lot of Jedi artifacts. I always thought Mon Mothma was like some had Jedi like force sensitivity, mm. but. Maybe that's it's possible. Me. These are kind of like elite people yeah. within the society, so maybe they're related to people, you know, who yeah. are Jedi or. Yeah. But um, I, you know, it could be sort of a cynical move on, you know, part of like corporate Disney to mm-hmm. elevate a certain character to like you know force wielder yeah. status yeah. just mm-hmm. to generate buzz. Tony Gilroy wouldn't have any of that, mm-hmm. I know, as a creator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so if Luthen were force sensitive, I I would trust that it was something he had planned from the start. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. not just like a oh we gotta bring someone in here. That, yeah. yeah, there was some question about that with uh, 
John Boyega's character in the sequel trilogy. Oh, yeah. I thought they mm-hmm. were going to make him a, a yeah, Jedi. Yeah, because a lot of people or... thought that he was going to end up being the Jedi just based on the trailers yeah. and stuff that came out. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was a plan the whole time. Maybe not. So interesting because, yeah, he is explicitly revealed to be, you know, a future Jedi yep. in training. Yep. But, but no, I, I didn't even catch that watching no, Rise yeah, of Skywalker no, no, for no. the first time. No. What we need to see is a Sith becoming from a norm, be- becoming of Sith from a normie. Okay. Like Cyril, Sith. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> He's going to become a Sith. There is a new show <laughs> coming out soon called Star Wars Acolyte, which. Wow. Oh yeah, I believe is in that vein. Mm. It's gonna be like a like a, how do yeah how do they become Sith? I mean, I guess we kind of saw that we with s- Kylo sort of saw Ren. Anakin but, do that too, well, although he wasn't an army. That's true. You just yeah. tell them the plan tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise, <laughs> and then they just get the yellow eyes, and they oh, can't be stopped. They gotta yeah, I mean, their wives and <laughs> anger. It's not the, a story the Jedi would tell you. Hatred, the dark side, it's a pathway to obtain power. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's more alluring and seductive than resigning yourself to not having any power mm-hmm. um, if you refuse to, to resort to that. In a lot of the animated uh, series, they have uh, also a link to like being pushing against corruption and like like cynicism being a path to the dark side as well. Like, mm. I guess not pushing against corruption, but over overuse of cynicism, like uh, Dooku, Dooku and yeah. uh, that Luminara Unduli's apprentice. What was her name? Oh, shoot. Barris Ophi. Barris Ophi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of them, uh, well, spoilers for the Clone Wars, but... I am, yeah. Uh, yeah, turn your, turn your mic <laughs> Um Both of them kind of descend down in that, like, cynicism to the dark side rather than, like, trying to... You know, like we are, we know better than the Jedi Council. We know, like everything is destroyed, and the only thing that can fix this is me hmm. getting enough power to do it myself. That's kind of fun. Like characters who probably um, they aren't, they're not all about the whole Sith thing, mm-hmm. perhaps, but they certainly haven't um, stuck to their ideals as a Jedi. Or as a, mm. you know, purely light side user, right. you know, they've gone down that dark path. But they're, they're maybe more just kind of mercenary in their yeah. approach. Yeah, yeah. I I think of a character like Aura Singh, who you know has, has seen very little exploration, but yep. a lot of her backstory is as a former Jedi apprentice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there'd be a great story about her, you know, becoming a bounty hunter who's force sensitive. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm so down for more bounty hunter content. Give me a Bosque. Just please Give not in the same in Tatooine or yeah. whatever. Oh yeah, the d- desert you're planet. Have no to more pick bounty. A planet. <laughs> desert Western. Just on Endor, you know. Just no more easy, spaghetti nice. Star Wars Westerns. <laughs> okay, mean. but I just thought of something. You know how you were like, oh, maybe Luthen's a bad guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when his ship does that spinny maneuver mm-hmm. and those two lightsaber esque like blades come out of it mm-hmm. and destroy those Tie Fighters, what is the color of the laser blades red <laughs> yeah. oh. so if that's a kyber crystal that. powered device mm. that's a tortured kyber crystal which wow seems kind Unless of baddie just found those also very possible collector. also very possible yeah yeah he's in a position of at least one kyber crystal and 
I don't know. I, I feel like that technology could just be, you know, a very advanced form of, you know, laser cannon. Totally fair. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, very cool nonetheless. I, you know, that sweet, uh, I mean, that space encounter was one of the uh, you know, brief punctuations of some really intense action. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But much welcome. And, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I was so just immersed in the entire show and, and all the intrigue kept me going that it didn't even need to have, you know, a tons of action. No, no yeah, but exactly. uh, the little we got was just enough. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. And and what there was, you know, there was it, it was just very, um, very well executed. Um, but yeah, I I uh, I like you know especially just the way that um, that tech is kind of deployed so mm-hmm. um, deliberately. You know, the tractor beams and then the countermeasures. <laughs> yeah, that was know. fun seeing Star Wars countermeasures. Mm. Very Gosh. strategic. And we hadn't even talked about like. The prison people. Oh, and oh yeah, Andy Circus. Oh, oh, dude, he's so good. legend. And yeah, he gets that was recaptured a whole by the Empire and turned into Snoke. <laughs> Experimented Ooh, on. No, shoot. that'd be, oh. that'd be so. Yeah, that would be hilarious. We'll see him in the second season, our Andy Circus's character, probably not. It would be an interesting mm-hmm. reveal. If, yeah, because they, it's an off-screen whatever. If it's a death, if it's a life, like yeah, I'm sure they have that in their back pocket just in case. Because like. What a character to meet Cassian later. They have that strong connection, you know, mm-hmm. or even anyone else from the prison who like might have gotten out that we don't know about. I think a lot of them died on screen, but yeah. and they weren't all that memorable. No, for Andy Circus's character. But. No, but yeah, like if Andy Circus came back, it was just a. It was so. It was fun to see what a prison looks like in Star yeah. Wars, other yeah. than like in. Like the Death Star prisons, we oh. just see they have like a bunk. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The oh yeah, the just the um, what, what, uh, an, the the antiseptic. Oh uh, yeah, the hospital. The, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's very like THX one one three eight. Yes. Um, a lot of comparisons to that. I've hear I've heard people make, and so that's it, classic George Lucas. I mean, some people you know say that. This this show doesn't remind them of Star Wars nearly enough because there aren't, uh, you know, as many familiar droids and aliens and mm. locales necessarily. It was a very human centric show, mm-hmm. I'll say. I was definitely looking for aliens, and there weren't that many, mm-hmm. but I didn't mind it. Well, I we could always see more. Um, True. I think there's, uh, yeah. There's just going to be a lot of variety in the second season yeah. because of the time jumps. There um, was a theory I had read about how the Empire is a human-centric, like, fascism. So, mm-hmm. like, maybe there are just less aliens in the galaxy after the Empire has been in control for a little while. I I think, um, th- yeah, there's a lot of just in insul- isolationism. Mm-hmm. You know, I think human... I think it's realistic to expect that you know alien species tend to want to keep to to themselves true and humans their own world yeah for whatever reason humans have done the most like expansion across the galaxy yeah i mean for just (laughs) obvious like pragmatic you know so you can just cast human actors in these roles right right Uh, no that makes sense and then you'd find more aliens on places like tatooine where everybody's just there to 
do crimes and yeah mm-hmm. so the, I, the republic i think was sort of a primarily human centric or humanoid at least centric uh, institution and then the empire became even more now you know, now speaking of colonialism xenophobia <laughs> and xenophobia <laughs> yeah. how did you feel about or what were your thoughts on that like cassian's homeworld that was an interesting uh reveal oh. and like how he that's a whole nother part he got, of the like, story adopted that I forgot. <laughs> kind of by force, it yeah. felt like. Well, this, yeah, this was a planet that had experienced a mining disaster, leaving, you know, a bunch of orphan children of the miners. Um, and, yeah, it was just this kind of split-second decision by these mm-hmm. um, scra- scrappers um, or, you know, whatever, mercenary, whatever they are. They're like treasure hunters or yeah. something. Um, to to take in this child that they found, um, and he never did find his sister. He didn't find his yeah. sister. I mean, he couldn't mm-hmm. speak basic, I guess. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and they ex- that was an explanation for why um, he has this very crazy, ac- you know, mm-hmm. this Mex- oh, Mexican accent. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. very strange. <laughs> oh, no, so not strange, but you know, I, I love great. his accent. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, because. Like his sister, they could find. I do wonder because if his parents were like treasure hunters, like I wonder mm. if they have had contact with Luthen, mm. and like if there might have been something there. But yeah, I wonder how interconnected everything. I you know everything for in these big sprawling universes and franchises. It's just such a cheap um, hit for fans oh, to like true. introduce connections and yeah. have everything yeah. be like it would be know, so unlikely likely just because right. how big right. the universe is but they always like to pull it in they yeah. like to ring it in with those ties. it truly is a, a hit of dopamine yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I that oh yeah, yeah. Cassian's the, the son of yeah. Obi-Wan gonna win, you know dumb yeah. like that yeah, it's, it's so cheap <laughs> it's yeah uh, so I the the tendency to avoid that kind of thing with this show is very refreshing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as, you know, the same creative team kind of stays in charge, you know, we're not going to see a ton of stuff like that. Uh, and I'd love to see this approach employed, you know, more frequently mm-hmm. in yeah. future Star Wars storytelling. Yeah. But it's always tempting to be like, oh, this should be a spinoff, this should be a spinoff. Right. Well, there's only so many resources mm-hmm. to do shows and, and films and spinoffs. Um, but, it, you know, this, film, this show hasn't been getting you know, extreme levels of um, viewership, but it's grown and it's mm-hmm. generating word of mouth. So it, it's got yeah, this organic good. thing that's it's been far preferable to just overhype from, yeah. from a mar- marketing machine. Yeah. Yeah. Because then they're usually not as good either. And it's <laughs> been nominated for a couple awards. I oh, believe. yes. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So it, good. it will at least serve as a good springboard yeah. for potential future mm-hmm. projects in a similar vein. I think it's um, I think it's a lot easier to do because you're not playing with anyone's favorite action figures. That too. In this one. <laughs> you know, like it's not an Obi-Wan. It's not yeah. a Boba Fett where like everybody has an opinion. Because Obi-Wan, let's be honest, it was not that good. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed it. Just to see just, Ewan McGregor. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we love Ewan, Ewan, Ewan <laughs> McGregor. I had, but. I had certainly more problems with Boba Fett show than Obi-Wan, but I see what everybody's saying about Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. But I struggled because it's Ewan McGregor and I love him. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean that was, I think, also targeted towards the uh, the younger demographic. Yeah. Uh, Star mm-hmm. Wars has always been for you know basically young boys mm-hmm. uh, as the prime target demo. But you know it deals with serious subjects and themes. People die in Star Wars. You know you don't have every spaceship explosion accompanied by some you know escape pod ejecting from the ship like they do in cartoons right, on Nickelodeon right. or something you know so yeah it's it's great that it can accommodate such a diversity of content um, but whether it's aimed at sort of a younger crowd or an older crowd it can it can be um, of the highest level of quality yeah I, that shouldn't necessarily have to be um, you know, correlated. Um, but yeah, Obi-Wan, I think that was a little rushed. It was a little, you mm-hmm. know, they, they have to play it safe because they're dealing with legacy characters. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the technology, you know, the volume and the, you know, it, it just limits things in a certain way. Um, and then Tatooine is kind of overutilized as well, overexposed. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It, it was fine. I, I enjoyed it, but uh, it could have been, it wasn't, uh, you know, Getting getting my blood, you know, no. heart yeah. pounding exactly. quite as yeah. much as I love the moment, you know, with the climax and the catharsis of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Like, you know, you didn't, uh, you know, create Darth Vader. You know, I did, or you didn't kill Anakin yeah. Skywalker. Yeah. I did. You that know, was really that was cool. Great. Um, anyways, so, so we'll wrap things up here and uh, appreciate you guys. Yeah, such a you know very fun, refreshing conversation to you know talk about in-depth uh themes and you know subjects related to star wars Mm -hmm. and maybe one day we'll be working on a star wars (laughs) show maybe we can talk a little bit more about it but (laughs) until that day comes when some ndas expire (laughs) maybe i know yeah have to yeah navigate around some ndas but you know uh, (laughs) there's always something to talk about when it comes and of course people have Star Wars fatigue. It's totally understandable. Yeah. Same with like MCU yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But then once a, a hidden, once a gem comes out like Andor, it just, everyone, yeah. their, their, their love for Star Wars re- reawakens. And it, I think yeah. this is a reawakening. It made me, I think. It, I watched the show and I just wanted to watch Rogue One and then A New Hope yeah. and then just go at it right, again. Like right. it, I, I think after like the second, third, the, the, the three movies that came out was like okay, mm-hmm. great Star Wars, whatever. Mandalorian mm-hmm. was then like a refreshing yeah. mm-hmm. uh, thing, and then it was like Obi One and mm-hmm. okay, whatever. But yeah. then Andor was definitely a refresher. And I always like welcoming new people to Star Wars. I hate gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. Nothing turns me off more seeing that in a fan. You know, people who um, I, I don't know either either are just you know cynical and just jaded mm-hmm. in their fandom yeah. or else just overly obsessive that they're you know not giving any you know they're just not allowing any new fresh air mm-hmm. to enter the, the franchise um so what can happen there unfortunately is um you know, you, you have things like the prequel trilogy, mm-hmm. which are so um, controversial in certain ways mm-hmm. amongst, you know, longtime fans because they, they were such a departure. Yeah. Um, but now nowadays they've been rediscovered and mm-hmm. appreciated. People were just 
over the moon seeing Hayden Christensen back in the new yeah and that was very cool like I I loved the prequels growing up as a kid I understood mm-hmm. ways in which they fell short compared to the original trilogy <laughs> but uh, people nowadays who are still like oh you know the <laughs> uh, seeing the holiday special makes me actually appreciate some of the you know bs that we saw in episode one mm. it's like you still are holding on to that yeah, yeah. the hatred for yeah. <laughs> phantom Men- I, I i recently watched like a cinnamon sins or tv sins mm-hmm. which is a different guy i guess uh surprise same you know staff team whatever does it but mm-hmm. they, he was talking about the star wars holiday special and he was still making jabs at these tired pokes at at the Phantom Menace. It's like, yeah. are you living in freaking like, 1999, <laughs> this idiot? You know. It's also so much darker. <laughs> After Red Letter Media did their, like, poke at Yeah, the, and those guys are smart, is, though. Yeah. They actually have brains. Like, they... <laughs> and they're funny. That's another yeah. thing. It's also, like, so much darker now that, like, with years of hindsight, you can see what, like, how being in the Phantom Menace and, like, a lot of those prequel... Uh, trilogy episodes did to some of those actors like Ahmed Best yeah. had a terrible time and L- Jake Lloyd mm-hmm. played young Anakin like they had a they were horribly abused yeah what? really the fan Why? base mm-hmm. oh by the fan base oh yep. Yep. that's so sad it's really that's sad so awful especially mm-hmm. for like it to be like hated on for so long only for the people who like grew up with it to like you know, finally get old enough to be like, no, those no, were, those we like really enjoyed really, those. Yeah. yeah same, you yeah. know, hmm. and I'm sure like, I'm sure the same thing is going to happen with the sequel series because mm-hmm. like, you know, our young nephew loved them. Like I, I'm sure that people who grew up with it will, it'll, it'll get its time in the sun, you yeah, know, for sure. Yeah. No fans can just be very obnoxious. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that oh, was yeah. my, my point basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the, I, Star Wars will go on forever, and the fans that stick around are going to be the ones that appreciate, you know, the stuff mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that makes it to the screen. And, uh, you know, there's there's stuff to love. I mean, there are people who enjoy the holiday special yeah. for what it is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. no sense, you know, impugning, lamenting, you know, the stuff that has come and gone. And also it's just like, you can take the cynical approach toward any Hollywood project oh, or you know, franchise. Yeah. 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 But cynicism leads to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's what like people like red letter media. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of there being a certain sort of cultural ombudsman mm-hmm. um, class, you know, of, of commentators, you know, people who will keep sort of the, yeah. you know, the PR folks in check, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also am very um, sincere in like my fan. I, I have yeah. an idealistic side that is is shines much more brightly than sure. my cynical side. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a hundred percent okay with naysayers, yeah. but like also don't be a dick about it. You yeah. know, like yeah. just don't be a dick. Just let people enjoy their thing. If you don't enjoy it, that's fine. But exactly, yeah. Well, fun. Um, any final thoughts, you two? No, go watch Andor. <laughs> I'll just I'll just plug like, you know, if you if you have watched Andor or other Star Wars and like you're iffy about the Clone Wars or Rebels or any of the animated mm-hmm. stuff, like mm-hmm. I've watched them all. It is rough at the beginning, mm-hmm. but 
there are some real gems in there. So don't don't be scared. Yeah, something to do on a rainy day. Um, well, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Smar and Elliot. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so hey, fun. We want to <laughs> do more Phillip. together as a couple. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, welcome on anytime. Uh, this has been the Thodcast Conversations about Animation. Find us at thodcast.com, at thodcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can uh, find the streaming on various podcasting platforms. Find me, Philip Elke, at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yes, may the force be with you. It's mm-hmm. been so fun to talk about my favorite, uh, you know, mythology. <laughs> uh, you know, you can use the term franchise, but it's a little uh, commercial sounding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, right. you know, I, I want to be a, a bit more, uh, yeah, venerative towards it. So, uh, yeah, go out and enjoy some Star Wars if you so choose. Um, but enjoy your most importantly enjoy your 2023 happy new year everybody Mm. hope you've had a wonderful holiday season Um, this has been a fun 2022 been some ups and downs Um, but hey it gave us this this wonderful gift of some quality sci-fi on Disney Plus and or and uh, more to come in the future Uh, This has been Philip Elke on the Thoughtcast for Samara and Elliot, the Mitchells uh, (laughs) versus the machines. Yeah, Uh, I know, right? Have you done one of them? We (laughs) we did talk about that. Yeah, yeah. You all have a uh, magical day, a wonderful week. Warm hugs. Warm hugs.